Welcome to the Smart Weight Loss Coaching Podcast. I'm Dr. Lisa Olson, a board-certified weight loss medicine specialist and certified life coach. In this podcast, I'll share fresh insights and effective techniques for incorporating mindset, habit change, and proven science into your life. Are you ready to achieve sustainable weight loss, wellness, and longevity? Then let's jump in and lose weight the smart way. Before we jump into today's episode about intermittent fasting, I'd like to briefly tell you about our Smart Weight Loss Coaching Program's holiday discount. If you've ever considered joining our program, now is the time. We've had such an overwhelming response that we've extended the discount a bit longer. So if you're a woman who wants to lose weight, likes to have fun, and is motivated to live healthier longer, head over to smartweightlosscoaching.com and use the coupon code HEALTHYHOLIDAYS2023, all in caps, to get our best discount ever. It won't last much longer, so please join us today. Now, let's dive into intermittent fasting, shall we? When you look at the science behind intermittent fasting, you'll discover a disappointing secret. It's not particularly great for weight loss. Although, there was a recent article that reviewed all available evidence for intermittent fasting and came to the conclusion that while we shouldn't be recommending it for weight loss necessarily, it may have benefits when it comes to increasing our health span, which is how long we live healthy and free of chronic disease. There is plenty to say about the metabolic benefits of intermittent fasting beyond weight loss. So if you care about living longer, healthier, stick around a bit and I'll share some intriguing information with you. And also, I'd like to point out that if there's anything I've learned in over a decade of specializing in weight loss, it's that we're all individuals. There is not one special dietary approach that works for everyone. Intermittent fasting may not be a game changer for weight loss for most people, but can we say that intermittent fasting won't help you lose weight? No. If you're intrigued by the data that I'm about to share on the health benefits, why not give it a try? I actually saw intermittent fasting work like magic for one of my patients several years ago. He insisted that he didn't change a thing other than the hours during which he ate what we call time-restricted feeding, and he dropped 46 pounds without using medication at all for his weight loss. That's unusual, though. In general, our intermittent fasting craze for weight loss is a bit misplaced. I don't typically see that it makes a huge difference. So what is intermittent fasting? You're probably familiar with the most common way to approach intermittent fasting, which is also called time-restricted feeding. In this approach, we condense our eating hours. Let's say you eat from 11 a.m. through 7 p.m. That's an eight-hour eating window. And then you have a 16-hour window during which you're fasting. Truth be told, you're not really fasting immediately at 7 p.m. if that's when you eat your last meal, right? It might be a couple more hours before you've digested that meal and true fasting begins. But for the sake of aligning with the popular language around time-restricted feeding, we aim for eight hours of a feeding window and then 16 hours during which we don't eat. Of course, you should drink water. We're not looking for dehydration, right? 
There's data about shortening that feeding window further, by the way, to six or even four hours, and there may be some additional benefit for that. Stay tuned for more research in the future. What can you eat during the feeding window? Well, when we compare time-restricted feeding to ad-lib feeding, the calories and food content are the same. You're simply cramming your regular food into the eating window, in most cases, an eight-hour window. When we compare groups eating the same calories and the same food, with one group spreading that out throughout the day and another group condensing it into eight hours, we don't see much difference when it comes to weight loss, but we do see some health benefits. There are other ways to approach intermittent fasting, such as the five and two approach, which includes two fasting days and five feeding days, or alternate day fasting. With these approaches, the fasting day typically allows about 25% of the total daily calories on that fasting day, so it's not a strict fast. If you eat 2,000 calories per day typically, then on fasting days, you'd consume about 500 calories. The same approach is typically used when people do alternate day fasting. By the way, you might hear the term fasting days and feasting days. I am not a fan of this term because I don't want to imply that on those five days that you're not fasting that you should be going to the food carnival. This is not a feast or some big holiday buffet. These five days involve eating normally, choosing healthy foods, limiting ultra-processed foods, getting enough protein, enough fruits and vegetables. So keep in mind, even if you hear other people use the term feast day as opposed to fast day, I like to think of that as regular eating days compared to fasting days or feeding days compared to fasting days. Okay, so whether you're trying time-restricted feeding, five and two fasting, or alternate day fasting, it's important to stay hydrated. Most people report that within three to four weeks of incorporating some type of fasting into their schedule, they get used to the routine and no longer struggle with hunger on their fasting days. Interestingly, energy tends to be high, and people report being able to exercise and be fully active once they get used to their fasting days. That is, as long as you're staying hydrated and allowing up to 25% of your typical calorie intake on those fasting days. Research shows that alternate day fasting typically lowers our total cholesterol, lowers triglycerides, and LDL cholesterol, which is sometimes called the bad cholesterol. It can also change the size of our cholesterol particles, increasing our large LDL particles, which is beneficial for our metabolic health. We typically start burning fat rather than storing it once we reach somewhere between 12 and 36 hours into a fast. We also see improvements in blood pressure with intermittent fasting. The data is a bit more murky when it comes to glucose or sugar metabolism. There are definitely some studies that show a reduction in sugar and insulin levels with various types of intermittent fasting, but there are other studies that don't support that. In my reading of the research, I think the net results suggest that intermittent fasting does improve our insulin sensitivity and blood sugar levels, which are both fantastic news for our metabolic health. 
One thing we do know is that fasting increases longevity. Mice, and people too, seem to live longer and healthier when they incorporate fasting into their lifestyle. Since we know that calorie restriction alone, compared to calorie restriction with time-restricted feeding, both lead to weight loss, you could also work on changing your nutrition plan to promote a lower-calorie, plant-forward healthy diet, like the Mediterranean diet, and skip the time restrictions if you prefer. We're not all cut out to tolerate fasting. Who shouldn't fast? Well, I encourage everyone to talk to their doctor before fasting, even if you don't have a contraindication. We should be smart about this. A contraindication, by the way, is something that would prohibit you from fasting, such as pregnancy, nursing, binge eating disorder, or any eating disorder for that matter. If you have type 1 diabetes, you shouldn't fast because that can cause hypoglycemia or low blood sugar when you use insulin in the face of fasting. And although the metabolic improvement may be significant for the health benefits of fasting in type 2 diabetes, you shouldn't do this on your own. If you're taking medication to lower your blood sugar, you absolutely must work with your healthcare provider to determine whether or not you can safely fast. What about our brains and fasting? There are so many studies looking at mood and cognition, our ability to think and be productive when we're fasting. Here, the data is a bit conflicting as well. Some people do find that their thinking is fuzzy and their mood a bit sour when they're fasting but most people seem to find that it gets easier and that fasting can even elevate mood and performance once you get used to that fasting protocol. Anecdotally, people tell me that over time, the fasting state dials down their food noise. They spend less time thinking about food and that brain space is now available for other things that might be a bigger priority than food drama. Consider for a moment that whether or not intermittent fasting helps you with weight loss, we know that it supports better metabolic health and improved health span. The mechanisms by which intermittent fasting, including time-restricted feeding, affect health are incompletely understood, but may include improved insulin sensitivity and an anti-inflammatory effect from fasting. Also, when we fast long enough, we give ourselves time to do some housekeeping. You've probably heard that we need sleep to clear out the debris in our cells overnight. We need overnight fasting for that too. And the longer we fast, the more autophagy we have. Auto means solve and phagy or phagy means eat. We're basically eating up our own cellular waste when we fast. I think of it like the old Pac-Man game with a little Pac-Man eating up the mess in our cells at the end of the day. Autophagy is important for longevity and increasing our health span. Give yourselves time to do their housekeeping work and it will pay off in terms of reduced inflammation and increased health. If you're not quite ready to go all in with intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding, there are still some things that you can do to improve your metabolic health. For one thing, you can wait a little longer before having your first meal of the day and definitely have your last meal of the day at least two to three hours before bedtime. 
In other words, moving your food toward the middle part of the day can be helpful. It's also incredibly helpful to stop snacking. Stop snacking. Long gone is the myth that we should be eating every two to three hours. That's a good way to flood our systems with insulin, leading to insulin resistance, a metabolic disaster. I just thought of a question that people ask me all the time about intermittent fasting. What about my coffee? Well, here's the scoop on that. It's perfectly fine to have water, of course, and you can also have black coffee when you're fasting. In addition, plain tea, whether it's green tea or black tea, is fine as well. The important thing is not to decorate your coffee or tea with any sweeteners or creamers, things like that. Okay, friends, it's time to think about your NBA, your next best action. Is there anything you learned here that you'd like to try out? Maybe shortening the window during which you eat, finishing up dinner three hours before bedtime, or even trying a 5-2 fasting program after checking in with your doctor. Perhaps you'd like to join us at smartweightlosscoaching.com to do a deeper dive into this and other topics related to weight loss and health. We'd love to see you there. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like more support during your smart weight loss journey, check out our group coaching program at smartweightlosscoaching.com. Until next time, stay well and stay smart.